I'm reading from the Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And thanks be to Liz as well for reading. Uh, so I said we're going to look at John's Gospel a lot this term. Um, we've done a f in, in the morning, we're going to look at some encounters that Jesus had with people. We've done that for a few weeks already. On Easter Day, we looked at Jesus' encounter with Mary. Uh, last week in the morning, Mike was preaching on Jesus' encounter with Thomas. This morning, I was preaching on Jesus' encounter with Peter. They're sort of resurrection appearances from the end of the Gospel. And next week, in the mornings, we'll go... And start again earlier in the gospel at Jesus' encounter with people. In the evenings, we're going to pick off the seven I am sayings. One of them's written in the bricks over my head, the I am, the way, the truth, and the life. Seven times in John's gospel, Jesus says, I am something, revealing who he is. And John's built his gospel around these encounters, around these I am sayings. There's also seven miracles or signs that point to Jesus. 
Uh, and it may be over the summer holidays we'll look at some of the other things as well. So I personally am spending this term reading John's Gospel slowly and chewing on it. I invite you to do that with me. At the end of John's Gospel, uh, he says, I've written this that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Or you could translate the Greek that you may go on believing. So it's written for people to come to faith and to go on trusting. Uh, so let's pray that that's, that will happen to us individually and as a church as we read this gospel this term. Lord, how we thank you for your word and for John's gospel in particular. And as we uh, look at this prologue to it tonight, as we look at different bits of it through the term, speak to us. Help us to trust you more. May, it, may you grow faith within us. And we pray now this evening you would take what I've prepared and speak through me and speak through your word in the gospel itself to each one of us. Give us ears to hear what you are saying and then grace to put it into practice. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so it's absolutely, I love John's Gospel, there's lots of depth to it, it sort of complements the other three. Matthew, Mark and Luke tell the story uh, very much the same framework, they're called the synoptic Gospels, you can kind of look at them together. John comes at it from a different angle, it's the same Jesus, manifestly the same Jesus, but with a sort of depth of reflection on what's going on. And I just want to pick out three things from these opening words. We often hear them just at Christmas. In fact, hearing Liz read it, I was almost transported to Christmas. We have John 1 read in a carol service typically, and we don't always have it at other times. Uh, but three particular things about Jesus, that he's the word of God, that he's the light of God, that he's the son of God. And just to think about those three. Uh, first of all, that Jesus is the word of God. Now, words are what we use to speak so people can know what we're thinking. Jesus is the word of God so we can hear what God is saying to us, if you like. That's a lovely tune you're playing over there, whoever that's all right. That's a very lovely tune. I don't always have background music when I'm preaching, but there we go. And um, I trust you're looking at John's gospel there. <laughs> I shan't out you by name for the sake of the recording, so that's fine. <laughs> um, Jesus is the word of God. He makes God audible so we can hear what he's saying. Uh, but I love the way John starts. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, Mark goes straight in to John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus' ministry. Matthew and Luke go back to the birth stories. Uh, we get angels and shepherds with one of them and wise men with the other. John goes right back to the beginning, the first words of Genesis in the beginning, and he echoes what was there in Genesis 1, that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were created. Uh, now, the scriptures say that God created through his Word. Uh, Jesus is the Word. That means we know that God created everything through Jesus. He created everything there is. Uh, but John's been quite clever here. The Greek word for, uh, is logos, for word. Uh, the Jews had this sense of the word of God, God created by his word. But the Greek speakers, uh, the sort of Roman world, if you like, they had this idea of the logos as the fundamental principle of, of that underlay everything. And John is writing to speak to Jews and Greeks. Jesus is the logos, the word of God. And it's sort of connecting with both to draw them in. Uh, logos is the word we get logo from. 
So you could say Jesus is God's logo. If you want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. And if we want to know what God's saying, we certainly listen to what Jesus says. So I thought I'd just give you a few highlights of things Jesus says uh, in John's Gospel that we'll, we'll look at. Uh, John 3.16, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. If you're in any doubt about that, please know tonight that God loves you. It's the most fundamental truth. Uh, John 6:35. We'll look at this next week in the evening. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We all have these deep hungers for love and security and meaning and truth and purpose. And Jesus promises to satisfy those. Uh, the next week we'll look at the saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you will know that many today are in the darkness of despair or depression or disillusionment. And Jesus promises light and light on our path. Uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, we, we read here that Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think when we record these sermons all together on the website, we'll call it life in all its fullness. Uh, John's gospel that's what Jesus wants us to know and he goes on to say I am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep uh, he promises to guide us and to, and sacrificially does what we need most uh, in John chapter 11 there's a great story of resurrection as Lazarus is raised from the dead and Jesus says this uh, to Lazarus's sister before he raises him from the dead I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he said to Martha, and he said to you, do you believe this? Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful truth that Jesus is the resurrection. We don't need to fear death. None of us is looking forward to the process. But we don't need to fear what lies the other side. It's, we'll be fully alive with God ultimately when the heavens and earth are recreated in God's perfect new creation. Uh, John chapter 14 verse 6, you look at these every week above my head, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Brilliant words. And a few verses later on, uh, he says in verse 9, uh, don't you know me, Philip, after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Extraordinary claims, these I am sayings. Uh, the I am is the divine name from the Old Testament we looked at um, back in January or February it was. And Jesus takes this I am and fills it out with so much meaning. Uh, John 15 verse 1, I am the vine, my father is the gardener. If we abide in him, the life of God comes through to us. Uh, so there's so much that Jesus says to us about God. He not only is God's word, but he speaks to us and we can hear what God is saying. Uh, and I do encourage you to read John's gospel through and to chew on it and to think it through and I hope that these sermons will be helpful uh, the point of the fact uh, point of all this is that God is not hiding and he is speaking and he wants us to know him he wants us to hear him he wants us to find him back to John chapter 1 verse 14 the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us literally tabernacled among us in the old testament God made himself known in the tabernacle and then the temple 
but he's come supremely in Jesus. He's become flesh. Uh, God's not hiding. He wants to be found. And sometimes people say to me, well, uh, I've been trying to get in touch with God all my life. I've never got there. I say, well, have you looked at Jesus? Because <laughs> God's turned up in Jesus and said, if you want to know what I'm like, here I am. Uh, we've had, uh, we're bubbled with uh, my oldest son and he's got one little child and another one on the way. And it's having young grandchildren reminded me of what my children were like when they were little. And one of the things I remember vividly doing is playing hide-and-seek with my kids when they were two or three. My daughter Rachel particularly loved this when she was two. She would say, Daddy, will you play hide-and-seek with me? I'd say, yes, just remind me of the rules. It's very important to get the rules clear if you're playing hide-and-seek, especially with a toddler. And she would say, you close your eyes and count to ten, then I'm going to go and hide in the bathroom and you have to try and find me. Doesn't sound very complicated, does it? So I, I, th- I need to get the, get, get the rules clear. I'm going to close my eyes and count to ten. You're going to go and hide in the bathroom and I'm going to try and find you. She said, that's right. So I close my eyes, count very slowly to ten and hear steps going upstairs. And then I would walk around the house shouting out very loudly, I wonder if Rachel's in the kitchen. And I'd hear a giggle from upstairs. Or I wonder if Rachel's in the dining room. And I hear a giggle from upstairs. Or I wonder if Rachel's in Daddy's study. Giggle from upstairs. Then I wonder if Rachel's upstairs. And I'll start climbing the stairs very loudly and hear much louder giggling. I wonder if Rachel's in Mummy and Daddy's bedroom. Peals of laughter from behind the bathroom door. I wonder if Rachel's in Thomas's bedroom. Cackles from behind the bathroom door. Then I'd say, I wonder if Rachel's in the bathroom. And the door would fly open and she'd come running out for a hug. And the point was, she wasn't really hiding. (laughs) She wanted to be found. Now, I tell that story because God wants to be found and he's not hiding. He has turned up in Jesus and said, here I am. He is the word of God, with God from the beginning, very God, turned up so we can hear what God is saying. He's not hiding. Uh, The second strand of this is Jesus is the light of God. We get this quite a lot in this passage. Uh, Verse 4, in him was life and the life was the light of all mankind. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And in John chapter 8 verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness We'll have the light of life. We'll be thinking about this much more in two weeks' time. But light uh, makes things visible. Jesus is God's word who makes God audible so we can hear God. Jesus is God's light who makes God visible. If you want to see God, we look at Jesus. He shows us what God is like. And light is extraordinarily attractive. On a dark night when you see a light ahead of you, Or in a dark room, if you light a candle, it's beautifully attractive. And Jesus was very attractive. People were drawn to him from all walks of life. Uh, But light also disturbs. Um, Thinking of when my children were young, one of them never seemed to be able to sleep beyond 5 a.m. Sometimes got to 6, but it was years. And at the point where they were tall enough, they would get up, they would come into our bedroom and hit the light switch. Now, that light was not attractive. That light, you just that's really disturbing. You want to pull the duvet over your head. 
Um, it's the same if you go down into a cellar in a house and you turn the lights on, the sort of cockroaches go scuttling and the light shines up. Uh, and bright light is very uncomfortable when it shines in. And Jesus with God's light shone God's light into people's hearts and situations. And because all of us uh, have sinned and got things wrong, that is extraordinarily uncomfortable. And so there are an awful lot of people who won't come close to the light of Jesus because it's too uncomfortable. It shows up the darkness and they avoid him. Uh, and in John chapter 3, he describes these two reactions. John 3, 19 to 21. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. So in other words, when the light shines, some people are attracted to it and some people are repelled by it. And that's how it is when we point people to Jesus. Some people will be drawn and others will be repelled. Uh, a friend of mine suggests that you just shine a little bit of God's light into a relationship. If you, people you know who don't share your Christian faith, just shine a little bit of light. You might want to say in a conversation, that reminds me of something Jesus said. Or, um, gosh, it's funny you say that, but at church on Sunday the vicar was saying this. You just shine a tiny little bit of light. And if they say, oh, I don't want to know about that, then don't bother with any more for a bit. Just go on praying. But if they say, oh, that's interesting, tell me more, you do more. People, you shine a bit of light. Some, those that God is working on at the moment drawing will come. Those that really aren't interested will say so. And there's no point trying to shine more light. It will just put them off more at that point. Uh, we go on praying. Uh, so we get these two reactions, and it's here in our passage, John chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Jesus came to that which was his own, Jewish people at that time, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So you get those two reactions. Jesus shines the light, and he still does today. And people are attracted or they're repelled. I don't know if you know the Narnia stories. You must know The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But if you've never read all seven Narnia stories, I commend those to you. If you're a quick reader, I'm very fortunate and able to read quickly. They take about an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half. If you're a slow reader, take a little bit longer. But they're very good stories. I had a wonderful week's holiday where I just read one each day. And you go through the whole of Christian theology. Um, there's the creation story in the, the magician's nephew, right down to the story of the end of the world in the last battle. Uh, and at the last one, the story of the end of the world, Narnia is, is coming to an end. Uh, it's the darkness is coming. And everybody comes through this stable into, as it were, Aslan's new world. Or at least everyone comes up to the stable door, and Aslan's in the door, and the whole new creation is behind him, and Narnia is dying in front of him. And every creature comes up to him and looks him in the face. And some, when they see him, are filled with love and they come on in to the stable. Others are filled with horror and turn away. And it's describing exactly this, that Jesus shines his light and some would rather turn away and go into darkness and others come in to the, the wonderful new creation. Uh, so God has shone his light in Jesus to you and me and we're drawn, but we're to shine that light to others. Uh, let me go on. Each of these is really a sermon on their own. And I'm giving you three tonight. So Jesus is the word of God. 
He helps us hear God. He makes God audible. Jesus is the light of God. He helps us see what God is like. He makes God visible, if you like. And thirdly, Jesus is the Son of God. So he makes God knowable. He helps us to know God. Uh, Verse 14 of our passage. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And verse 18. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So Jesus, the Son of God, helps us come into relationship with God the Father. As you know, Christianity is first and foremost a relationship with God, not a religion. It is, of course, Jesus' way is a way of life, which is what the word religio literally means, a rule of life, a way of living. Jesus is the way. But knowing God is what it's all about. That's why that most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, let's go back to that. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God wants us to know him. And so Jesus came to make that possible. And uh, in John 17 verse 3, it says this, this is eternal life. This is Jesus praying. They know you, the only true God, praying to the Father, And they know him, Jesus, whom you have sent. So back into chapter one. Sorry, this is kind of it. Chapter one is like a prologue. You know, if you go to a musical or an opera or something, they play all the tunes that you're going to hear later on at the beginning. John chapter one is a bit like that. It sets it all out at the beginning, like an overture to it. You see all these themes coming. Uh, Here we get in John one. To all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Jesus, God's son, helps us to know God as our heavenly father. So uh, I sometimes tell a slightly silly story about this, but I heard a story ages ago of a dad who took his two boys off to a water park uh, one summer. Imagine, can you remember those days when you can go do things like that? I hope we'll be able to do those things again in the summer. Uh, And... uh, The boys loved one particular water slide. So the dad bought a reel of tickets for them and went and sat at a safe distance away from the splash zone where he could read his paper. And the boys came down the slide, went over to their dad, put out their hand, he gave them another ticket, and they went round again. And this was going on. Well, a third boy sees what's going on. He sees these two boys going down the slide, going to a nice man over there, putting their hand out, getting a ticket, and going and riding again. So this third boy comes along uh, and puts out his hand. And the dad says, no, sorry, these are for my boys. Then five minutes later, his two boys come with this third boy together. And they say, dad, can you give one to our friend as well? And he says, oh, well, if he's with you, then of course. And it works a bit like this for us coming to God the Father. We don't have right of access to God the Father ourselves. We're sinful people. But we come with Jesus. And Jesus says, Father, this is my friend. I've died for him or her. Her sins are forgiven. Will you include them into your family? And it's as simple as the boys at the water slide coming with their friend. We come with Jesus to his heavenly father and he welcomes us. Uh, So all of these themes play out in John's gospel. They're wonderful themes and that's enough introduction. Let me give you two things by way of application. Uh, If you turn to the end of the gospel, John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, we find out why John's put this gospel together. 
Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And as I hinted at the beginning, where it says that you may believe, it's in a particular tense in the Greek called the middle tense, which can be translated you may believe, or you can go on believing. So it feels that John's Gospel is written to help people to initial faith in Jesus and for those of us who are believers to go deeper in trusting him more and more. Uh, So you don't have to invite your friends to watch Alpha with you. That's a good thing to do. You can say, will you read John's Gospel with me? That's just as good a way. Uh, I think quite often in the CU they use the uncover versions, which are brilliant. You can read through John's Gospel and click on QR codes that take you to different videos talking about Jesus. Really superb. John's written to help people come to faith in Jesus. If you're struggling with your faith, reading John's gospel is a great thing to do. Praying, Lord, help me to learn to trust you more. Uh, So there's one application. Uh, Second one we get in our reading is to become a bit more like John the Baptist. John the Baptist features in John chapter 1. Not a lot, but he's there. So let's just see verses 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's John the Baptist, this was. Uh, not the John who wrote the gospel. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. So John the Baptist came just pointing to Jesus. And we'll see next Sunday morning how John points his followers to Jesus. And our job, a bit like John the Baptist, is to point people to Jesus. Uh, Later on in John 1, you get verse 29. John saw Jesus, says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's pointing people to Jesus. He does it again in verses 35 to 36. The next day, he sees Jesus passing by. Look, the Lamb of God. So that's our job. We'll never do that unless we're full of love for Jesus ourselves and trusting him. So the first thing to do is to come to him, uh, ask him to fill us up with his love, his light, his word, his truth. And his spirit and ask us ask him to help us point others to Jesus and give us opportunities to invite them to watch the alpha videos with us or read John's gospel with us whatever it is Um, I've gone on long enough and you've sat there very patiently I wonder if you'd stand and we'll pray some of this in Lord Jesus, we bow before you in your presence. You are the word of God. You are the light of God. You are the son of God. And in you is life. And you want us to know that life in all its fullness. So we pray, send your Holy Spirit tonight. Here on this congregation and on anyone listening at a future time. Come Holy Spirit, we pray and minister to each one of us. Let's just be still and wait being still before the Lord, listening for anything he might want to say or be doing in us.
So we pray, Lord Jesus, as we read your words, that it would go deep in us and help us to become more like you. And we pray you would make us to be signposts pointing others to you. That we pray that would happen naturally, that as we get into conversations with people, we'd just somehow find we're talking about church or something that points to you. Give us grace to shine a little bit of light uh, to give folks an opportunity to want to find out more or not. But will you be drawing people to you and use us? And for us as a whole church, this term, as we focus on your word in John's gospel, give us a deeper faith, a deeper understanding, a deeper trust. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to sing our last song. Well, sort of not quite sing out loud. You can kind of sing under your breath. But uh, uh, Jesus is our living hope.